Welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast, where we discuss all things human design and how it can support you and your spiritual journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all podcast. We are here to inspire awareness about how we are all different and help you answer the questions of who am I? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? You can thrive and live the life of your dreams just by having awareness of your true self. So dive deep with us, get inspired, and start living your life on purpose. Hello, and welcome back to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast with your hosts, Dana and Shayna. Today, we have on a special guest who is a reflector, and we were just on her podcast. She is amazing. We gained so much wisdom from her just in general. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation for sure. There's just so much to get out of it. And I just, I'm so happy that we know her now because she is just a source of wisdom and It's been a podcasting week and we are loving it. We're so grateful for this community. We're so grateful for all of our listeners. If you like this podcast, please go leave a review that helps us so much. And honestly, we read every single one and we do a happy dance and we text it back and forth to each other. Like, oh my gosh, this is our life. Like literally crying every single time. So don't think that those go unnoticed. It's one of the biggest ways that you can support our podcast and hopefully we can continue supporting you in whatever way you're growing. We're just so grateful. So thank you for being here. And this conversation is one of my favorites. I love it. Yeah. And it's funny. It's been a podcasting week for us because we've been recording a lot of podcasts, but on this episode today, we're actually going to be talking about podcasting um, because our guest, Chelsea Reif, is a podcast coach and strategist. She helps creatives, coaches, influencers, and entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize their podcast by providing guidance, clarity, and strategic direction to reduce the overwhelm. She is a 6-2 reflector who is passionate about helping people to live their life, telling as many stories as they can, no matter how big or how small. And we are really excited to share her wisdom here today. Not only is she the first reflector that we've gotten to interview on this show, this is also the first time that we've really gotten to dive into the world of podcasting. And we're excited to do that because so many of our community members have either started their own podcast or dream of starting their own podcast. And so we're really excited for all of the value and content that you're going to get to learn today from this really fun episode. Okay. So without further ado, let's welcome on our guest for today, Chelsea Rye. Thank you so much for being here, Chelsea. We're super excited to get to have this conversation with you on our podcast because right before recording this, we got to go on your podcast and we've just been in the flow. And we're so excited to be able to interview a reflector on our show. I'm pretty sure that this is the first time that we are interviewing someone who is a reflector. So thank you so much for being here and welcome. And How are you feeling today? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to be your first reflector. I feel like this is such an honor. I hope I represent all the reflectors well out there. (laughs) And I'm feeling good. I I think podcasting is something that I always feel an inflow and alignment. And I love talking to people. So to me right now, this doesn't feel like work. I feel like I'm just having a fun day in a podcast studio. Yes, I love it. And, you know, being a podcast coach, like this is your zone, your realm of expertise. And it's so fun to get to connect with you in this space. But I'm curious if you could just introduce yourself to our audience and share a bit about what it is that you do share and teach. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a podcast host first. I have a podcast called In My Non Expert Opinion. I started that in 2017. And then Years later, when I started my business, I actually started out doing mindset manifestation coaching. And I just realized that wasn't super aligned. And so I shifted into teaching people about podcasting. And to my surprise, or maybe not surprise, like people were really interested in starting a podcast and they just felt like they didn't have the tools or their mindset would get in the way. And so I was like, well, that's interesting. I just taught people about mindset. How can I blend my background of broadcast journalism and reporting and interviewing with the mindset piece that I was coaching people on before and actually teach people how to podcast from a practical standpoint and just from an energetic and creative standpoint. So now that's what I do. I focus a lot on content strategy and helping people launch, grow, and monetize. And then I still have my own podcast too. Oh, I love it. And I think that it's just so 
needed and and genius because podcasting is, I feel like the future because it's like immortal, if you will, you know, like people are connecting with things that we were learning and talking about and interested in years ago, and they're listening to it right now and having whatever level of like awakening or understanding or help that they're needed. And that was wisdom that I had years ago. And that would have completely just been buried within a social media feed or within a blog. And a podcast really brings things to life in a whole new way. So I love that you're teaching this and and sharing this um, and that you've gone on the journey yourself. And I love that you show up in such a different way every single day because you're also a digital nomad life where you're living all over the world. So how does that work? Like, how do you run a podcast when you don't have like your own podcast studio, you know, in a home or at a place in a specific town? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's definitely chaotic. It's not easy. It's not something that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's such a breeze. I definitely have to Google studios as soon as I get to a new place or make sure that my bedroom is really quiet and that we're not in a super loud neighborhood. So as much as I can, I try to book studios when I'm on the road. And if not, I'm just like praying to God that my bedroom is quiet. I have recorded under bed covers. I've recorded in closets. I just recorded with someone other the other day where they were in their bathroom. And I'm like, I get it. Like you have to make things work when you need to make things work. I think traveling makes you really resourceful. And so that's why I've never stopped podcasting because of traveling. It's just made me have to be more creative with how I find ways to podcast. So that's usually how I do it. And to your point earlier, it's such an incredible medium because you're creating a body of work, like a library of content that people can access at any time and consume whenever they want. So I love that you pointed that out because that truly is one of the best parts of podcasting. It's evergreen. Yeah. And it's hosted on like other people's platforms. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to create a podcast app that then people are coming to and like downloading your system. It's like on iTunes or it's on Spotify and it's just out there. They don't even have to go to your website and find you your domain to listen to your podcast. I mean, it's incredible. It's such an amazing resource. And honestly, after doing thousands of readings, we meet with so many people that it's like, you could have a podcast. You could write a book. You have so many gifts around your voice. And so many people are like, I've been wanting to start a podcast, but I don't know how, and I don't know where to start. And how did you do it? And it's like, well, it kind of happened to us, which is like the majority of the things that we do. So I love that your reflector magic has led you to um, really helping people to step into this in a way that's right for them. And I love what you said about um, making it work and not having like limitations, doing your life, doing the things you want to do, traveling and getting to have a podcast at the same time. I love that because you being like this podcast expert, it's such a great influence for other people to see you leading in that way. Because I think for sure, the thing that I hear the most from people is like, well, I don't have like the perfect setup, right? Like I don't have the perfect sound studio or I don't have the perfect mic or I don't have the perfect light or I don't whatever. And those limitations, really they allow those the physical limitations to stop them. But the truth is people who run super successful, awesome, amazing podcasts are literally sometimes doing it from the bathroom or you know under the bed sheet or whatever it is. And it's so cool to see that that expansion that can happen there if you don't allow mentally that physicality to be like a story that blocks you. So and you know another big thing that we hear is like wanting to start a podcast but being afraid that there's so many like that the market's saturated that you'll never find an audience that like cares about what you have to say. And, you know, there's so many limiting stories that I think block people from starting this when they really want to. So I'm I'm curious to hear, first of all, how was your journey into starting your first podcast? Like, what was that like for you? Did you have any of those limitations that you had to transcend or move through? And like, how did you get started? Yeah, great question. I originally wanted to be a TV host. I really wanted to be an ESPN sports reporter or an E! News like nighttime reporter. So I actually went to school for broadcast journalism. I took a bunch of hosting classes and interviewing and reporting. And then right when I graduated, all my mentors and even like my internship directors were like, I don't know that you really want to get into TV. It's really cutthroat. It's really low pay starting out. You get treated like shit. And I'm like, okay, I've had five people tell me this that I've actually done TV. Maybe I should pay attention to them. 
So then I was like, well, this feels weird because I just spent four years in college trying to do this and like putting a sizzle reel together and working at news stations. And it was just like, what did I do all this work for? So I found a program in Chicago at Loyola University called Masters of Digital Media and Storytelling. And people were always like, oh, you tell great stories and you like to tell stories. And if you think about it, that's what hosting was, was telling stories. So I went and took that program and it felt literally like play. Like I would just go every night. It was seven to nine all the time. And we would just storytell, whether that was through photography, audio, video, data, um, writing. Like I just learned how to tell stories on so many different platforms. Then I got a job in a software sales company that was like content and influencer marketing. And I was good at it because everything that I had learned in my undergrad and grad school obviously fueled the knowledge in that industry. And it was such a new industry that it really... I just advanced really quickly in that job. But the issue was I was basically selling content creators. And I was like, wait, I went to school for that. Like, I should be the content creator. Why am I selling this software that shows content creators and how they can connect with brands? So then I started spinning my wheels. I tried a beauty Instagram and people made fun of me. I remember I did like three posts and people were like, I don't get what this is. Like, you're just sharing beauty tips. This is like OG days of Instagram. And I'm like, LOL, all those beauty Instagrammers are now like laughing their way to the bank and like <laughs> bought themselves amazing houses and like living their best lives. So I'm like, that was a lesson in like not listening to people. Then I tried a blog. I think I wrote one post and I was like, this is so much work, like all the SEO, the linking, the photography. I was like, nope, this isn't it. And then I remembered we learned about podcasting in that grad program. So I was like, maybe podcasting is it? So I had been listening to podcasts and then Serial came out, which was like the hit podcast that I think everyone really got into podcasting. And I was like, this is like listening to a movie through your headphones. Like, this is so cool. So then I was like, maybe I should try this out. And I bought the equipment and I had this like lightning bolt moment where I've actually, there's a book written about this called like the holy shit moment where it's like everything that's been ruminating just like comes into alignment. I remember just this feeling of being on fire. Like I made the logo, bought the mic, like booked someone for an interview all within like two days because it was just so much energy that was like, you need to get this out in the world. So that's how it started was just thinking about what platform could I express myself on? Because again, I always wanted to create and then finding out how fun podcasting was. Like you just literally get to talk to people and talk about whatever you want and there's no agenda and you just get to literally pick people's brains and be curious. And I, once I wrapped up my first episode, I was like, yep, this is my platform. Like this is what I'm going to do. So the first three years of my podcast, they had nothing to do with business. I didn't even have a business. It was just a creative hobby that I did. I would book conference rooms during my lunch break at work and bring people in. And it was funny because people thought I that was my full-time job. And I'm like, oh no, I'm on my lunch break. Like we have to wrap up in an hour because <laughs> I need to get back to my meetings. And um, yeah, I just made it. I talked about this on my podcast. I picked this video game character that like I was an executive producer of my podcast and Spotify just hired me. And so I treated it that way. Like I would book the studios. I got a nicer microphone. I actually got too advanced of a recorder that even my editor was like, they use that on like Hollywood film sets. Like you don't need that. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I started. I loved it so much. And then when I launched my first course, it doubled the enrollment signups. And I was like, I don't even understand. I just started this business. Like, where are these people coming from? And 95% of them were like, we've been listeners of your podcast for years. Like, as soon as you offered something and you started a business, we wanted to support you and learn from you. And so I was like, whoa, like ding, 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 something clicked there, which is eventually how I got into coaching. But to answer your other question of the mindset blocks... I didn't have as many mindset blocks as I think a lot of people do because I do have the background in media. And so I knew all the editing and I knew how people get into it. And I had a lot of mentors and I'm really observant. So I would just listen to people's podcasts and be like, okay, how did they do that? And okay, that was a good transition. And I don't think that was a good interview. So I'm going to take notes. And I just started to really like be a sponge. But what I will say is the consistency, that's when I started to doubt myself where I was like, holy shit, a weekly episode every week when I'm not making money on it. This is again a hobby. I was pouring all this money into like editors and social media clips and hosting software. And and then I just like couldn't keep keep it up consistently. And so I would take breaks and then I would come back and then I would take breaks. And I started to really be hard on myself of like, 
you're not committed. If you were committed, you would find a podcast manager. You would take this more seriously. You would save up for all these costs. And I started to beat myself up a lot of over that. And it took a lot of self-compassion and a lot of support and coaching and therapy to be like, your audience isn't going to abandon you. If they're loyal listeners, they will stay by your side and it's going to be okay. Like if anything, now just when you show up, you have something valuable to say and you're not creating content just for like fuck's sake. It's actually like valuable what you're going to be creating. Absolutely. That is so true. And yeah, it's interesting that for you, it didn't, the mindset stuff didn't come in the beginning, the challenges, it came in the midpoint. And, you know, with all of us, no, I'm looking at your chart the whole time you're speaking and I'm in love with your energy. I love everything that you share because it's so aligned for you, like specifically with the gates that you have, you know, you have gate 56, which for everyone listening, like you are someone who is designed to storytell. You have a really stimulating and interesting and funny voice, and you're able to share the meaning in a way that really hits. So, so like you're not someone who's designed to teach like facts and figures so much as the meaning, like why this matters, why it moves you and say it in a way that's totally captivating. So it's funny to, you know, to be in this podcast realm, like you were out of school. It's like, okay, I know I'm almost here, but it's like dancing around the things that make sense instead of like, oh yeah, what I love doing is speaking and like telling the stories. And once you give yourself permission to just do that, do the thing that you actually want to do, that's natural for you. It's just like this natural energy vortex that brings you into it. But definitely also being a non-energy being, you know, with you being a reflector and Shane and I really resonate with this, with us being projectors, all of us having this like, you know, inconsistent energy in a world that is like the structure for podcasting is set up to be either weekly or bi-weekly for some people, which is nuts for me to even consider. But, you know, giving yourself permission to do it your way and coming to it with compassion and self-love and being like, you know what, like maybe it will be different in, than other people. And maybe it will, you know, in quotes, slow me down in like the short run, but giving yourself permission to do it your way is the thing that makes it sustainable, right? Where you are like sustaining this like delivery of something that's really going to change people's lives. And you know, speaking in a way that is truly going to inspire because you were inspired when you said it versus the energetics behind forcing yourself to communicate when you're not inspired. So I love that. I think that there's so much for people to learn there. And um, I want to ask you about this video game avatar character thing, because we did talk about it on your podcast, but we just think it's so cool to hear you say this. Tell us a little bit about being a reflector and choosing your avatar video game character every day. Oh, yeah. So basically, if you know archetypes, it's, you know, almost like the same concept of a video game character. An archetype could be the wild woman or the creative genius, or there's even, you know, some shadow archetypes like the saboteur and like all these different archetypes that are in tarot decks is a perfect example, like the fool, the magician. So I learned about archetype embodiment through a membership. And I remember thinking like, why have I not heard of this? Because it feels like a really easy way to kind of get to where you want quicker. And it's not the fake it till you make it. It's like actually just being that archetype and doing it and acting like that person. So a visual that works for me better instead of saying archetype, because I don't know, that just sounds like ar archaic, right? It literally has the word arc in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't just, I'm like big into how things make me feel. And I'm just like, I don't like that word. And so I was like, what feels more exciting to me is a video game character and it reminds me of literally when you pull one up and you switch out their outfit and their hair and you get to pick their environment. And it's like, and then you are that character. You can get to choose a new name. And it's like, oh, that's fun that every time I play a video game, I can change who I am. And I think that's why people love video games and escaping reality because it's like, I get to be a new character. So I was like, well, how can we not escape reality and just do that in our everyday lives? Just choose a video game character for your day based on what you want to do or how you want to feel. So an example I have is last year, at the end of last year, I was feeling really out of alignment with my brand and like what I was doing. And I wanted to serve a different type of client. And I was just like, the brand doesn't align. Like I've DIY'd my brand colors and website and it looked like a 13-year-old had like a school project and did it. And I was like, you need to fix like your website and your branding and everything. And at the time, financially where I was, I was like, I know this is going to be a big rebrand. Like I'm going to have to have a brand designer, a photo shoot, a video, like a whole new website. I'm like, this is going to cost a lot of money. Like I know what I'm... I've worked with brand designers before and I know what it costs. And so I was like, okay, if you were not you, like Chelsea Rye from Satellite Beach, Florida with, you know, this education and that, like if you were someone else, what decisions would you make? 
and this is a random example, is like, I picked like a bitchy magazine editor in New York City. And I pictured like this girl named Victoria that just had like a blunt bob and like wears sunglasses inside and wears all black. <laughs> and is just like, nope, not doing that. Yes, that's approved. Like almost like um, Devil Wears Prada. Like yeah. Glenn's character. And then um, even like Kelly Cutrone from The Hills. I don't know if you remember her. Like she was like the really mean boss that Lauren had. And oh, she was like, yes. <laughs> she would always just be so cutthroat of like, no, that's not right. Why would you pull that look? Like, da-da-da. And I was like, okay, I'm not saying be a bitch. I'm just saying these people don't <laughs> overthink. Like, they just get shit done. They just go straight to the point. They make decisions quickly because they know what's best for them. And it's like, deep down, I knew what was best for me with this rebrand. I had just been dragging my feet. But I had honestly been thinking about it for honestly, over a year. Like, even my therapist was like, we've talked... I'm like, why am I talking about my rebrand in therapy? Like, like, how does my therapist know about this? So that's when I knew, especially being a reflector, it's like I had gone through all the lunar cycles and I was ready to make the decision, but I had to put on this video game avatar of like New York City editor cutthroat and be like, it's time to make a decision. Here's what I'm going to hire. Here's what I need the brand to look like. Here's the mood board. And it all happened within, I think, three to four weeks. And I basically... I think it was I doubled my revenue from the year before, before all within two months because of like this new video game character. I was much more strict with like how I brought on people. I enforced better systems with onboarding and it just turned into like financially a win, energetically a win. I was so excited about my rebrand, still excited about it. And I think, I don't think I would have been able to do that had I not put on that like new video game character. Yeah, that's amazing. I... Love it because it's so right for you. And also, I think that we can all get a lot of wisdom out of your like literally channeling that and 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 doing it and trying it on for size, like a perfect reflector example. And we can all apply that wisdom, right? Like we're all open and we all have most of us have places of empathy that we're taking in the world. And I think that when we're building something from the ground up, it's easy to get stuck in comparison or like judgment. And I'm curious what your journey with that has been and like, or what you've seen, like when people are getting stuck by comparing or judging themselves or seeing, you know, there's so many people that are successful and like, I don't know how to get there. And so why should I even start? Like, I want to do this thing, but how do I start? And where do I start? And all of those things that keep us from starting is mainly comparison and judgment, but I'm curious what you've observed. Oh my gosh. I have a lot to say about this. Oh my God, let me think of how to articulate it best. I would say first things first, a lot of comparison comes from like, well, it's already out there. And so why would I put it out there? Like, it doesn't make sense. And what I always say to people there is like, the same thing is it happens with self-help books. Like James Clear and Atomic Habits, there are a million other books about Atomic Habits. There are bigger authors than him that have sold more books that have more experience. And it was his specific way of looking at habits and talking about breaking it down and the four laws of habit, you know, success and building that he built in his own unique way that then it turned into a New York Times bestseller and still is always at the top of the charts. So I always say, go look at your bookshelf I can guarantee you have 10 books in the same category and you're not like, well, I already have a book on spirituality, so I can't I can't read another book on spirituality. Like when we like something as humans, we only want more of it. So that's always my argument is, yeah, there's human design podcasts out there, but they have a totally different perspective than you. You might have a more comedic approach or a more serious approach, or you might look at it from a totally different lens. And I would like to hear that. So I almost say it's doing a disservice to rob people of your gifts because sometimes we're only consuming something because it's the only one out there. And if someone else was putting out content, we might actually go listen to it. But people are so scared to put it out because, oh, this person's podcast or book or blog, whatever it is, is already written. So that's always my first argument to that point. My second argument is that when we put people on pedestals, we dehumanize them and we look at them as idols and gods that have no room for error. So when we look to... I'll use... I don't know why James Clear is like the top of my head right now. When we're like, wow, James Clear, I don't know, is such a big author and he's so good at writing. If you've ever read his work, it's like he took a long time to get there. He made a lot of mistakes. He talks about his mistakes openly. And it's like if you're looking at James Clear as an idol you're giving him no room to mess up and humans mess up. We are naturally built to mess up and make mistakes. So I think something that podcasting actually helped me do is 
I interviewed a lot of quote unquote bigger people early on in my career, like that I truly on paper had no business interviewing. I'm, you know, like Gabby Bernstein, Lauren Bostick, like all these huge influencers and authors. And as I would talk to them, I'm like, they're the same person as me. Like Lauren was getting gassed during our interview and Gabby was like, sorry, I just had to put my son to sleep. And I'm like, yeah, they're human beings. They're not these like ethereal gods that live a totally different life than we do and don't deal with life's mistakes and depressions and hardships. And I'm like, it's interesting that as humans, we've developed this fallacy that anyone of a certain stature just all of a sudden deals with no hardships or mistakes. And so I just have to remember like, Sometimes I'll even give my clients an exercise like go listen to that person's first podcast, go back to their first Instagram post, go read their first blog post. It was probably trash and look at the involvement. Like you have to start somewhere. And I think that's the last piece of advice I give is anyone that you look to that's bigger that you're comparing yourself to, they all started somewhere. Their first piece of published content or podcast episode or whatever it was, was not a banger. It was not a top hit. It wasn't the best thing they've ever done. But just like clay, you have to mold it. So in order to mold clay, you have to go get a ball of clay. So that's what I always say to my clients. Like, we need to put something out there and start shaping it and molding it. And it's going to be your own unique uh, design, kind of like human design is. And people are going to be appreciative that they have more content now to consume. And it's in your voice, your perspective, and your lived experience, which is uncomparable. Yeah, I love that so much. And it's so true. I'm like, oh, I cringe at our old, like our early episodes. I'm like, we said like so many freaking times. It's insane. But also, I don't care. (laughs) I just don't. And, you know, we really try not to edit our our podcast at all um, because that authenticity is just so important to us. But it's so true. It's like where we are now versus where we were then is like insane. And that's the truth for anyone who's putting themselves out there in any way. And especially for these idols or these people who we see, you know, in the world that are really successful, it's... I think the most profound for me is seeing people's messy, like seeing like, oh, they, you know, are late because this happened and like, yeah, they're filling up gas or like, this isn't perfect. Like even right now, like I just had eye surgery a week ago and my eye started burning. So I'm doing half this call with my eyes shut and it's just like real shit that is the most valuable to me. It isn't the like put on, like, this is how I want you to perceive me. It's like, no, I did this thing and it wasn't great actually. And I learned a lot of lessons from it, or I've observed this and I don't have the answer, but it's real. And I think the realness is so important. And to let yourself be seen in your realness, I would say is more, requires more bravery and is more profound than letting people see you in your most perfect, uh, contrived, edited, and polished version of yourself. Because even like you're sharing about these idols, I put in quotes, it's like these moments stood out to you of their humanness, of their realness, of their authenticity, and they're like totally being okay with being seen in that. It's like, oh, okay, I can be seen in my realness. And the more that I am, the more that I give permission to other people to then be okay to be seen in their realness, like a chain that passes down, like every little mistake that we make in public, like allows for mistakes. I don't know if that's like a good chain reaction, but here we are. (laughs) And have you noticed that the people that stop sharing their humanity and now it becomes polished and perfect, people start to lose touch with them. I've seen it happen with podcasters where they get so big and they stop sharing behind the scenes. And now it's just perfectly edited life lessons. We're not going to share anything. And I see the reviews change and the tides shift a little bit and people start giving more like like negative feedback on their Instagram. And I'm like, because they stopped showing their humanity. So that's to your point. It's like your messiness and humanity is actually going to be the bigger connector and make you more successful than trying to package it all up with a pretty bow. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that. And, you know, I think podcasting in general, like as a medium, you know, I've thought about this a lot with social media. Like, what is the benefit of social media? What is the downfall of social media? And, you know, with all of the different mediums that we share ourselves with, 
you know, with social media, one of the, the dangers about it is that you can make it so contrived, like pretty easily with like filters and like the things that you're, you know, withholding and the things that you're sharing. And there's obviously people who share themselves really openly and beautifully and vulnerably on social media too. But in general, as a medium, it's very easy to contrive ourselves and to take away our authenticity and to create and share this like perfected form of us that is missing that unique flavor and frequency that only comes from you. Whereas in podcasting, I think that one of the reasons it's so attractive for people, like so many people are wanting to listen to podcasts is because there is more realness there, right? We're in real time having these conversations. And yes, some people do over edit their podcasts or edit them a lot, but in general, you really are hearing and feeling and getting to know people when you're listening to a podcast, even just knowing the frequency of their voice. Like you can't hide or change the frequency of your voice. It is completely unique. And someone connecting in and listening to your stories, like there's just this intimacy that grows from when you're listening to someone's podcast. Like you really feel like you know them and you really feel like they're your friend. And you really feel like there's just this like complete and radical truth in the medium in itself. And I think that that's something to really consider because, you know, there being so many podcasts, well, guess what? There's also so many people on planet earth that almost all have an iPhone and can listen to your podcast. So as far as the, like, there's so many podcasts, the world doesn't need another one thing. I think that's another thing to to think about is that the medium of podcasting is so powerful because it does promote naturally like more authenticity. So trusting yourself there, I think is so huge too. Um, I love it. And, you know, I wanted to ask you with you, with you kind of teaching courses and and taking on clients and guiding people, what was, you know, the thing that you were most excited about to kind of take that journey from becoming, just being a podcaster yourself into then guiding other people and facilitating other people? Like what was really the most exciting or rewarding or fulfilling thing that, that led that, led to that progression? I think the most exciting thing for me was a knowing that people wanted to do that. So I was when I first started, I was like, does anyone even want to launch a podcast? Because to your point, the argument I heard even three or four years ago was it's too saturated, which by the way, yes, there's a lot of podcasts, but most people drop off after seven episodes. So just, just fun fact, like I think there's there's like 5 million podcasts, but it's like not that many of them are active because so many people drop off. So just remember that. But it was so exciting to know that people wanted to to do it because for me, podcasting wasn't just a marketing tool or a business tool or a fun hobby. I found so much confidence and self-esteem through running my podcast, not only for the creative efforts and the labor that went into it of like, I'm literally building a production and a body of work, but I noticed I would get more confident. Like when I would interview people and I got to speak to my favorite authors and mentors that I was like, I'm... I do have a seat at the table. You know, I'm not this person that's outside of the room trying to listen in. Like, I do belong here. And so it gave me such confidence that I was like, this is what I want other people to feel when they podcast. Not that it's some big chore. It's this annoying thing they have to do for their business. I was like, I just want to see if it's going to build confidence. And that was the most rewarding thing at the end of our work, whether it was through my course or my one-on-one, that people would say, I have found my voice. I actually had a, a girl write in. She goes you did the damn near impossible. You helped me find my voice. I mean, it makes me emotional right now because I'm like, that. that's always the goal. But when you actually see people go through it and in such a quick amount of time, you're like, okay, so it wasn't just me. Like, it wasn't just me that found my voice. Other people are finding their voices. She said podcasting is now transcended into her personal life where she speaks up at meetings now. She's not afraid to tell team members what she needs. With her partner, she's more communicative. And I'm like, wow. And she's like, this all started after my podcast. And people notice it. They're like, you're speaking up a bit more and you're more clear. And she's like, yeah, because I started a podcast. So that was the most exciting thing for me is multiple people saying like, I unlock this piece of myself that was kind of dormant. And especially women, right? We're always taught like, don't speak up, don't be too loud, be gentle, be soft. And you know, if you actually understand the history of women speaking up, it makes sense why we're scared. Like we used to be waterboarded and our mouths would be clipped shut in town squares for speaking up. And so I can understand how that's obviously transcended into the into the present, which is why I get even more passionate about people podcasting because I'm like, we have the freedom now. We have the tools. You could seriously start a podcast for free. There are free 
softwares you could record on your phone, you could record directly into your computer. And so I'm like, the barrier to entry is so low that it it's almost like for your ancestors, use your voice. And that's what makes me really excited too, is to see people come alive through podcasting. Mm. Yes, I have full body chills as you're saying that because it's so true. And it's like, you don't need that much to start. And, you know, people have have created podcasts, like big podcasters have, have done interviews where people have way less equipment than you probably have already in your home. Um, so I just love that. And I'm, I'm curious, I do want to talk about the business side of having a podcast and also being an entrepreneur who is living all over the world. Like, what is your experience? And also, what would you just say to that as like anyone going into making a change, whether it is like quitting their job and starting their own business or like wanting to monetize their podcast or or monetize, you know, their life in some way? Like, what is your insight there? I would say the first thing, and I really wish I did this first for myself too, is like, building out your dream schedule of what you want it to look like and then working backwards from there. So I did the mistake of like, woo, let me just start a business and see what happens. And then, you know, at one point I had this influx of clients. So then I just had back-to-back meetings all day, every day as a reflector that definitely did not work. I got so burnt out. It affected my old relationship. It affected my health. It affected my quality of work. So then I had to really sit down myself and audit my time. And I'm like, wow, if I would have just done this earlier and picked like a dream schedule and said, hey, I only do coaching calls on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I'm going to do podcast recordings on Mondays. Like that would have helped me stick to those boundaries. So that's something like practical that I would tell people is don't just go into it and be like, woo, I'm going to work whatever days a week, whatever many hours. This is where human design becomes helpful too. It's like, if I know that I can't do back-to-back meetings, I need to literally set up my scheduler to build in space. Like I need that 30 minutes to an hour between meetings. I don't do meetings on Fridays and I don't do coaching calls on Mondays. So that was something that I also used my human design and astrology to help me understand, which I would encourage people to do as well. Like use the systems and the tools available to you to build a life that works for you. And with traveling, that became really important because obviously time zones are different. Currency is different. Um, the availability and accessibility to a studio like this isn't available all the time. So I had to learn how to plan ahead. And that's what I would say to anyone making any type of big change is I know planning can sometimes feel boring if you're someone that is spontaneous. And you're like, I don't want to plan. I just want to take the leap and do it. I was like that. I took the leap and just quit my job. I moved to Australia. I then ran out of savings. And then I was scooping gelato to make money. Like, I wish I had done a little bit more planning and just saved a little bit more money and then used that money to design the life that I wanted versus impulsively taking opportunities just because I was running on scarcity mode. So that's what I would say is like design your dream schedule first, even mapping out like what type of client you want, how many hours a week you want to work. Um, maybe you don't want a huge membership. Maybe you just work with like five high tier clients for a whole year and that's how you make your income. Like that's okay. I think that was something that I was taught in a lot of business masterminds and courses, like you need to have seven different offers, like an intro offer and this offer and this offer. And I was like, that's just not how I run. That's not how I operate. I don't like that. That's too much energy for me. It's too stimulating. And I realized, great, you don't have to do that. Like you can be successful without that. So I think just giving permission to yourself, whether that's using your human design or another self-discovery tool is also imperative. And then the last thing I would say too is support, right? Whether that is a therapist, a business partner, a VA. Like, I don't think I would be anywhere close to having this podcast or running my business, being able to travel around the world without having a support. There's no way I'd be doing this by myself. Yeah. How do you find support? Like, how do you find a VA or, you know, a business operations director? Like, how do you find those people? So I'm in a lot of really cool memberships and I've luckily found a lot of people through the memberships I'm in. My business operations person right now, we met in a membership last year and we were just kind of going through the course materials together. And then we would kind of just brainstorm after and chit chat. And I was like, you have a really great like data and numbers background. Like, have you ever thought of using this? And she was like, well, I, I used to do business operations for a CEO and da da da. And I was like, 
that's the thing I feel like I've been missing in my business. And so now we work together and she was a huge reason why I, I had that huge rebrand and all that new business come in because of her brain. So that was it. Online memberships. I found people through Facebook groups. Sometimes I'll just post on Instagram stories and be like, Hey, does anyone know a good VA? Or right now I'm trying to hire a videographer for, for a project. And I was like, does anyone know a good videographer in London? And people will send recommendations. So sometimes it's just straight up asking your online platforms and community for help and then using the spaces that you're already in. Yeah, I love that. I think that um, the actual side of the doing is so important to talk about because like there's, you know, the energetics of everything and like the motivation side of everything and the, you know, mindset and the energetics and all the things. Right. But then, okay. When you're actually like scooping gelato and you're like, okay, how am I going to like make money though? Um, I think that that people really want to hear that. So for you, in Australia, where you like, shit, let me just pack up and go home. But then you force yourself to like, kind of keep trusting yourself? Or what did that look like for you? Yeah, I would say travelers have kind of nine lives like a cat, like you get really resourceful. And you're like, I will figure out how to land on my feet no matter what. And it so allows true. you to not it allows you to not move with ego. So when I was running out of money, because I also had gone to a yoga training, and then I spent a little extra time in Bali. So I like spent a lot of money there. And then I got home and I was like, okay, you're running out of money, you need to pay rent and you have bills. So then I just found the gelato job. Um, and then I found another job where I was teaching yoga like for $10 or something on the weekends at a park. And then I also was doing social media management for a studio. Like I was just taking any opportunity to make things work. And then eventually, when the pandemic hit, I was in Australia. And that's when I really oh. was like, oh, I don't... Like I, the job I was going to get, they shut down because it was at a restaurant. I was living off of the surplus checks that the US sent out. And then Australia kind of had like a 401k retirement fund that they let everyone access. And because I had had an Australian job at the gelato spot, I had this like, quote unquote, 401k money. It wasn't a lot. So I was living off of that money, uh, credit card, and blind faith that like something was going to work out. At this point, I was so desperate. I was cleaning houses. I was nannying. I was like doing truly anything just to be able to get groceries. Then when the pandemic hit, I was, like I said, nannying. And I worked in... Like I worked for accommodation, so I didn't have to pay rent. And the people's house that I lived in, it was basically a mansion by the beach. So I was like, well, this isn't a bad setup if I'm going to get locked down anywhere. Not a bad place to be. <laughs> and you know how I feel like anyone that starts a new business or project, kind of how you guys probably did with writing your book, you're like, I just need time and space. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just need a clear schedule. I don't need any distractions. That's kind of what the pandemic did for me. So I had no bills to pay. I had, didn't have a job. I was in contact. I was a day ahead of everyone in the US. So I just had so much free time. And I was like, this is the time that you could actually sit down and really work on your business because I always wanted my own business. I just didn't know what that was. And that three months, I did everything. I took every online course. I studied how to launch a course. I studied how to build community. I studied marketing. And then eventually I started my business. And like I said, my podcast actually helped me because I massively exceeded my sales goals. And then I felt like, okay, I just needed one piece of proof to show like this is actually going to work. And that was it. And then from then on, I was like, okay, you can run a business. Like you actually can do this. So yeah, uh, it was not an easy road. I wasn't one of those people that's like, I just quit and an opportunity landed in my lap. It was a whole year of like doing random ass jobs. And then eventually the pandemic that allowed me the space to create what I wanted to. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that because I think like, I think it's just so helpful for anyone listening who's like, I want to make this transition, but is it going to be just like cut and dry with like, like you said, like I jump off the cliff and then I immediately have a new thing that comes right in. It's like, sometimes you have to get scrappy AF, but you really show to yourself, like, I know how to, I, I have my own back. Like I'm going to be okay. And it kind of like forces you through that like birth canal to the other side of, okay, here I am. And here's, I can do this. And the universe is showing up for me. And I'm doing this in alignment. I'm not doing it out of scarcity or out of desperation necessarily. I'm doing it because this is what like my soul wants. Because if you were doing it out of desperation, like you could 
also be a nanny the whole time. And you could also, you know, work for other jobs the whole time because you desperately just want more and more money and more security. And so you just keep going up like nervous system, like shot kind of energy. And when you take that time to really get clear, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in a way that feels good for me and feels right for me. It's just so rewarding. And then you just keep going from there. So I love it. And podcasts are such a great, magical little, you can't, nobody can see me, um, <laughs> but like magical funnel, just kind of vortex where you're really connecting with people, even though they're not in front of you. And it really brings people to your other offerings because they get to recognize you. They get to see you. They get to learn from you in a way that's so accessible. Literally anyone in the world can listen to you. A hundred percent. I think it personifies your business and it also helps you give more context and nuance to what you're talking about, which you don't have the ability to do on social media because truly you have character count limits or video limits. With podcasting, it's like... I mean, look at Andrew Huberman. He puts out like five-hour podcasts every week. And I'm like... That's like an audio documentary. Like five hours is way too long, but he's at the top of the charts and it shows you people listen to him and they are happy to listen and invest in his work because he shows who he is, his expertise, etc. And even if you don't have expertise, because I think this is a big block for people, this is, by the way, why I called my podcast in my non-expert opinion. I was like, I want people to know that I'm not an expert, but I have a lot of opinions. And it was kind of a play on when experts are like, well, in my expert opinion, you should do this. I was <laughs> like, what about my non-expert opinion? Like, what if you just want to shoot the shit with people and have fun conversations? <laughs> so you don't have to have like this formal educational background. You don't have to be a broadcast journalism major. Like you can simply have an interest in tacos and do taco review podcasts, which exists, by the way. I'm not making this up. Um, some of the biggest podcasts I know recap reality TV shows, right? They just talk about Vanderpump Rules and that is their career now. They do live tours talking about Vanderpump Rules. They have merch. They have paywalls. Like, There's so many things you can do with podcasting, which is why I get so excited about it because I think people feel suffocated sometimes by their business and their marketing because they're like, I have to stick into the brand box that I made. And if I talk about tacos, how is that going to align with my you know, business offering? And it's like, the person that likes tacos and likes your business offering is going to go invest in your work now. So that's the best part of podcasting. Yeah, that is so true. I really love hearing you speak because you have so much wisdom. Like, you know what you were saying of being just like a really observant person. You take things in and you see things. And, you know, as a reflector, you're so observant that you're on a whole different scale than anyone else because not only are you taking in what you see and what you see people saying or or whatever, but it's also like you're taking in the frequency behind it, like on a deeper level and feeling like, is that true? Like true with a capital T, you know, is that real? Is that healthy? Is that like what it's about? Or is that missing something? So in everything you say, there's such wisdom. And uh, I think that it's so cool to hear that authenticity is such a big theme of what you teach and what you promote and, and what podcasting can bring people. Because in our work with human design, also authenticity is our home base, our keynote. And it's really cool to see the, you know, our two worlds like colliding in this conversation and us just being like, yes, yes, yes to everything you say, because it's all about authenticity and, you know, your business, like your number one key to unlocking being successful, no matter who you are, no matter what your design is, no matter what your podcast topic is, is authenticity. That's going to be the beacon that draws in the people that are meant for you. And it's also like trusting that, trusting your authenticity, trusting that it's, there's a place for it in this world, right? That you have this unique role to play and that when you truly play it, you can't go wrong. And, you know, it's so cool to meet you and to hear all of your reflector wisdom and to see in you, you know, it's like almost, I think one of your most beautiful qualities that I admire in you most is like this openness and expansiveness that you hold. And of course that is a reflector quality, you know, someone who really can see all of the possibilities and hasn't confined themselves or limited themselves or, you know, felt like, okay, if one thing didn't go the way that I expected it to, 
then I'm just going to jump ship and like totally give up. Like you have this expansiveness because of the way your energy works and of all of the things that you've seen. And, you know, as a reflector, this theme of non-attachment, but instead openness, openness to what is in this new day and being open to the surprise. Like these are all themes that I just hear so deeply reflected in the things that you say, but I'm curious to, to hear, I mean, you've talked a bit about being a reflector and a business owner in like knowing how you need to manage your time. And like, that's too much energy for me. I needed to like take this back a notch and make sure that it's working for me. But I'm curious to hear, to have you share for any reflectors that are listening, because it's so rare that we get to really give the dedication we want to, to reflectors. What advice would you give to other reflectors listening, whether they are a business owner or not? What is kind of some wisdom that you would want to share with them or some encouragement that you would want to share with them? I think as reflectors, because we are shapeshifters and society does not really get on board with people that change all the time, we can start to feel like, okay, well, I just need to pick one or two topics and just talk about those things. And so I would say to reflectors and and most people in general, but especially reflectors, because I feel like that's our kind of wound, is knowing that your podcast allows for you to be that type of person. Like you're allowed to change topics every week. You could talk about something serious and then at the end have a fun pop culture moment that you're going to review a segment of, you know, below deck sailing yacht or something. Like you're allowed to do that and you're going to evolve because you change almost all the time. So like using your podcast as an expression of that and being transparent and honest with your listeners. Like, hey, I'm a reflector and honestly, like I change my mind a lot and my personality sometimes isn't always the same. I'm not consistent 24-7. I think that's interesting to people. And if we can start to reframe it as interesting versus confusing, because I think that's what my block was, was I'm being confusing. People aren't getting it. I'm not being clear and consistent. If we can reframe that as that's interesting because people don't operate that way, you'll have a lot more fun with your podcast, with your creations, with your business, when you can be direct and honest and allow that play and space for yourself. And I think the last thing I would say too is like, people do value reflector wisdom. So it's really cool to break down your process of how you see the world and using that as your kind of content calendar. It actually makes my clients mad sometimes because I'm also a Virgo moon and Virgo rising. And I have a lot of like... I do really well with strategy and organizing. So they'll tell me an idea and I'm like, like, here we go. Here's the content <laughs> calendar. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's the system. But for me, I don't have that. I'm like, well, how, let me see your content calendar. Let me see how you do it. I'm like, I know this is crazy, but I don't operate the same way. And I can't explain it. Like I could build out the most perfect notion document that you've ever seen with every practical step broken down. But for me, it's like, I really listen to... I do take in what people say and then I try to reflect it back on the podcast. So if you're a reflector, especially within podcasting, be okay with the fact that like you might not have a strict content calendar and your content strategy can literally be go living your life, observing and then reflecting it back on your podcast episodes. Yes, beautiful. I love everything that you shared there. And also like that wound, the reflector wound of like, am I being confusing because I'm shifting and changing so much? Like, are people actually going to be able to get me and accept me if I allow myself to free flow in the way that I meant to? I think that that's, it's so cool to hear your lived experience there. And I also wanted to ask you with being a reflector, this, this self theme of surprise, I think can be kind of like confusing, like a confusing word. Like almost people are like, wait, what does that actually mean? Like to feel surprised by life. And, you know, we like to say surprise and delight and childlike wonder. Those are our key themes for to explain that deeper. But I wanted to have you explain to us, like, what does surprise feel like? And how do you know when you're feeling it? For me, it does feel very childlike. And it feels like the energy of like, ooh, that's there. Like, that's how, that's actually like usually what I say, like, oh my gosh, that's cool. Like, that thing's there. That thing popped up or this conversation happened. And we talked about this on my podcast, but as a traveler, something that I try to do is like, even when I'm walking to the same co-working space, I try to take a different route. And usually I end up finding something unexpected, whether that's a new plant, a new cafe, uh, a store I've never seen before with like really cool journals or something. Like I get really... It's like a kid in a candy store. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was there. And they have this candy. That's genuinely how it feels. And I would also say there's kind of this body feeling of it does feel lighter and kid-like to be like, 
it's kind of like the energy of like, I don't know, I'm doing a, a hand signal, which I don't know if people are going to see this video, but it's like this little like happy dance that you're like, oh, this thing exists. That's how I know it's surprise and delight because I have that energy around it. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think that's a really cool like action step or like tip for people to follow. If you're a reflector and you're always doing the same thing and you're kind of stuck in a rut and you're going to work at the same time at the same day and the same, you know, route, change it up trust your body, let your body do something unexpected. And you know, you might run into something unexpected that surprises you like a beautiful synchronicity. Um, instead of letting your mind shut that down and be like, there's no time for that, or that's not productive. Right. right. That's the huge thing that we're always like, Oh, is it productive for me to do this? Like who cares? It makes you feel alive. It makes you feel like you that's productivity because it's you being you. Right. And reflectors, remember, like environments are so important to us. And I was in lockdown in Germany in like a tiny fishing village with my ex. And I was definitely going through a lower spiral, like probably depressed, to be honest. And I was just like, I need to figure something out. Like if we're going to be in this relationship and in lockdown, the way I've been operating isn't working. And to your point, the productivity conversation came up where I was like, I think I need to start doing walks at lunch or something to get out of the house and go explore this little fishing town. But I was like, oh, that's an hour that you could be at your laptop creating content or marketing or editing. And I was like, okay, well, you've been doing that and it hasn't been working. So let's try something else. I remember taking a walk and I was like, I feel like this is a maze of fun. Like I found a, an actual legitimate co-working place that I was like, how does a co-working place exist in this little fishing village? It was like state-of-the-art tech of the rooms. They had plants everywhere. And then on top of that, they had this like patio beer hall type of thing. I'm like, never seen this restaurant. I've lived here eight months. And this was just because I was like, you need to change your schedule and you need to get outside and just start walking around and see what, what life brings you. And I will never forget that I remember in that moment being like, this is what it means to have that joy and delight and that surprise like at the forefront of what you're doing and putting yourself in environments to thrive. That was a huge mm. lesson for me is like my environment doesn't need to be perfect, but it needs to be a place where I can at least thrive or grow. Yeah. Oh, so such a good example. And I think so needed. You mentioned, you know, on your podcast that you attract a lot of reflectors um, because it's rare to have a reflector in this podcasting world, I feel like, um, because you're just so rare in general. But I wanted to ask, do you know anyone in person that is a reflector, like a reflector friend? Reflector friend? That's interesting. I actually don't. I've connected with reflectors on the internet. Like I have a lot of reflector Instagram followers and we'll connect and kind of chit chat. But yeah, in person, I'm thinking about that. I don't think I have many reflector friends. If anything, I'm like surrounded by manifesting generators. That's like <laughs> yeah. the dominant force in my life. But yeah, no reflector inner circle friends. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I mean, you guys are so rare too. So it's understandable. I was just curious if you're like, I want, I really want to know what it feels like for two reflectors alone in a room for like, you know, years, <laughs> like your best friend, right? Like not in that same room, but like years of knowing that person, like, are you then reflecting each other, but also yourself and how that really looks like that's something that I want, like a case study on. Oh, um, yes. I need to ask my friends their birth charts more though. I feel like a lot of them don't even know, know their times or anything. So they're like, I don't know what I am. It's so true. I mean, like I, nobody, human design is so new that it's like just now becoming where everyone knows their charts, but it's still a stretch for a lot of people. But that's my dream life is everyone knows their design. And then like 10 reflectors get in one room for like, three days at a retreat. And then what's, what are they reflecting at that point? I'm really, I want to know. Be amazing. Oh my God. I would love that. Yeah. There's like, I feel like after the conversation on your podcast and here, there's like <laughs> things that were like, you need to create a, a reflector app. And can you also create like reflector circles? <laughs> yes. Reflector retreat. This is, oh yeah. That yeah. Was, this is brewing. That would be it's really brewing. good. I love Gosh. it. So tell us where people, how people can work with you. Like what offerings do you have going currently and where people can connect with those offerings? 
Yeah, absolutely. If you want to launch a podcast or grow it or monetize it, then one-on-one would be best. And you can just find me at chelsearife.com. My first and last name, everything's there. I also have a course called Mic Drop. So that's on demand and you can take it self-paced. And like I said, I'm a Virgo moon and rising. So there's like no fluff in that. It's very direct and to the point. So you can get your podcast launched because I know the hurdles that we go through. I was like, let's make this as simple as possible. That's also my website. And then my podcast is in my non-expert opinion. And you can find that on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. And my Instagram is also just my first and last name. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. We genuinely loved getting to hear you speak and hearing your reflector wisdom. And I know everyone else did. So thank you so much for being here. And we're excited for all of our listeners to be able to listen to us on your podcast too and go into your podcast sphere because we really have enjoyed diving into it. Thank you. This is so fun. Wow. We just love Chelsea so much. This conversation was so fun and we hope that you enjoyed it. Diving into just getting all of the wisdom from her reflector insights and observations, just everything was so juicy for us. We know that we're going to be connecting with her a lot more in the future too, just because we're on the same vibe. So as always, you know where you can find all of our offerings on daylunalife.com, also our Instagram at dayluna, and you can find our book, Your Human Design, anywhere books are sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, literally anywhere. And if you feel called to leave a review for the book, it helps us out so much and we love seeing them. So feel free, invitation is there to leave a review or connect with us or DM us or literally reach out anytime. We love you all. We are so grateful and we hope that you have a beautiful, amazing rest of your week.